Hi, I'm Rich. And this is Melody. And this is The Water Cooler. How are you doing today, Melody? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Doing great. <laughs> so this is a um, technically the third um, installment of our podcast series, The Water Cooler. And I think we're going to take this one a little different. And we're going to tackle a um, tough Big subject issue. near and dear to your heart, right? Which is yes. called the white bubble. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually have quite a few guests on the show today um, who are joining us via Zoom and they are all basically uh, equal mics on this show if that makes sense. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to basically um, just pontificate and talk about the white bubble. What does that mean to us as white people? What does that mean to you know non-white people? And um, you know, hey, what can we do to pop this, right? Mm -hmm. What can we do to overcome this and become better people? What do you have to say about that, Melody? Well, I definitely grew up in the white bubble. I grew up upper middle class, white, intact family. Um, got married really young. The D-bag I was with became a cop. Separate issues. Anyways, <laughs> uh, became a police officer his family was fairly racist. My family wasn't, in my opinion. Um, as we grew, I became more and more all lives matter, blue lives matter. It was a culmination of being part of that Leo wife community and, you know, really drinking the Kool-Aid. And then my interesting high school experience of being a minority and having all black friends sort of reared its head in my life and my black friends came up to me and were like this is not right and they taught me a lot of things we got in some arguments i so you started to see it yeah i started point. to see it but i'm going to be honest with you my white bubble didn't just burst i mean sure. it took it years deflated, yeah it deflated yeah <laughs> it deflated and i have to you know really thank them for their love and patience with me because i truly value their friendships well, even to today the thing is is that you never stop learning right that's right a, that's the important part oh yes is that you know uh, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you know, it's I'm... never, it's never too late to, to keep learning. Right? right. Now you and I, we grew up completely different. Yes. Um, I grew up in a uh, very different scenario than you did. I grew up, um, extremely... as the minority. Yeah. The as whole a, time. Basically as a full-time minority. Um, I'm half Hispanic. Not that that really matters, but what you really... look white. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm white bread for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, Basically, I grew up um, in government assistance, um, low-income housing. Um, I was I was surrounded by you know black and brown, you mm -hmm. know, um, they were majority of my friends, and I went to you know F D rated schools throughout my entire elementary, middle, and high school career, um, and it took basically a couple of really good teachers to recognize my talent that pulled me out of the group and said hey you know we we see that you have something here you know we're going to put you in the honors or the gifted program or whatever that was the only time in my entire life growing up until i was 18 that i actually experienced the flip 
of not being surrounded by black and brown that I was surrounded by more white and that was in Palm Beach Lakes, mm-hmm. right? So my entire life growing up, I saw the struggle, you know, um, of, of kids going to school, being told that it's, it's, you know, hey, it's not cool to be smart, um, you know, having teachers that just don't care, you know, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. and I know I'm saying a lot of things here that are that are <laughs> better suited for probably multiple different podcasts, right? But the truth is, it is what it is, and and that's how it is. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I grew up as the minority, so I didn't really understand that there was this white bubble, right? Until probably my. I would say my mid twenties, mm-hmm. right? And I got a very corporate job. I started seeing the the um, the privilege. The, the privilege, yeah. I started making good money, right? I started seeing what does that afford me, right? As to where maybe I I started rising up into echelons that were, um, you know, more Caucasian, for example, right? Um, you know, and. It's a tricky subject. I think that's something that nobody has the exact answer for. I don't have the answer. Um, but I'm excited to hear what you have to say about and, it. And before you... Just one second before you before you go. Um, we do have a video that we want to play here. So we'll do that in just a moment. But if you want to give any thoughts before we, before we start. Yeah, just to be on the flip side. I didn't know there was a white bubble until probably even later than you did sure because i was inside it Mm -hmm. so i was inside the cushioned white privileged little bubble of going to whatever school i wanted to making decisions that i wanted to never having to be afraid to drive or walk around my neighborhood or walk in a store or or any of those things i had no idea the privilege that just was my skin sure so we have very different experiences, but... But we have similar experiences, too. Right. So let's play this video and see what people think. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and play this. Um, and then we're going to introduce everyone who's on Zoom with us tonight. Yeah, let's... Uh, just real quick, we have Elaine, Angelique, Hope, Orion, and Tawana, and Thomas. Uh, Tom. So just to give everybody's name and we're going to play the video now. So it's like South LA cars getting pulled over by LAPD. It's uh, two European guys in the front seat. Can I get you to roll the window down, please? Good day, officer. You know why I pulled you over? Your brake light's not working. Can I see your license and registration, please? Guy's handing his paperwork over, but just to say it's... All right, do me a favor. Turn the motor off. Stay right here. I'll be right back. One buddy and his passenger in the car. <gasps> Should we be scared? <laughs> Why do you say it like that? You know, with everything happening lately, I don't want to be choked out or anything. Relax, man. You're white. That shit happens with everyone, not only with niggas. First of all, you can't use that word. Why? 
Is there someone listening around? Man, you're so ignorant. Second, what's with the attitude? I don't have an attitude. I just think all lives matters. I'm tired of being shown down my throat all this BLM movement. Oh, really? Yeah. They shove it down your throat? All the time. I understand that like most people, you care primarily about yourself, but the least you could do is have a little bit more empathy towards black people. Don't forget where we came from, a country that became free and independent only, what, 1991? You could at least relate to them on that level. All right, explain this. Why do they keep complaining that Hollywood is racist? I see so many movies with the black actors. All right, picture this, okay? Every other movie that you're trying to see or a TV show has a black male lead. Almost all of them, up until recently, okay? Everything you're trying to watch does not have a white dude as a leading character. Maybe there's a white guy as a supporting character, somebody who's trying to give advice. Wouldn't you feel some kind of way about it? I never thought of it that way. And what about the removals of statues? Well, Is that really necessary? Okay, we removed the statue of Lenin, bleh. A symbol of oppression. We didn't keep that motherfucker around, did we? Alright, I feel you. What about the renaming the streets? You do remember that in Latvia, every street name on the sign was in Latvian and Russian, right? And what did we do when we became free? We painted the Russian versions shut. Why? So they wouldn't fucking remind us of the past. How do you, how come you don't fucking get it? Okay, I agree. <laughs> what about the protests? I don't know about you, but me and my family went and joined hands with two million people that formed a 600 kilometer chain around the Baltic states, if you remember. As what? As a form of peaceful political protest. With this in mind, maybe you could try again and put yourself in other people's shoes. So with that, we're going to go to our panel. Does anybody have any first reflections? A little interesting, right? Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they... Go ahead, Angel. <laughs> no, go ahead, Hope. Go ahead, you're good. I was going to say, it sounds like conversations I have at work with my boss every day who, you know, doesn't understand what's going on, but doesn't even, like, try to see anything from somebody else's perspective because everything with him is, well, it hasn't happened to me, so it doesn't exist. And that's that's just trash behavior in my opinion and i'm mm -hmm. over it all yeah there's a lot of fatigue and annoyance on all fronts go ahead Angel. well i mean i it's more it's more annoying that like people can't see past themselves and what is going on and instead of saying you know if people keep telling me this is happening even though it hasn't happened to me why can't i even try to understand I, that's where my fatigue is coming from is that people it's it's clearly there and it's just the refusal it seems like to even 
acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. I have a personal opinion. I, I think a major problem is they politicized the movement. So now you have people who have political ideologies and if they made it Republican versus Democrat, where it shouldn't be a, a, an issue based on politics, it should be an issue based on humanity, and, and it made it a lot more complicated, and and, and that and that makes the situation because now they're defending their their political party, and and they can't and they're making it they made it impossible to separate the two, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's a social issue, not a political issue. Yeah, Black Lives Matter is definitely a humanitarian issue, but I would like to say that the issue of race has been politicized for many years already before this. And so when race comes up, the line the party lines are already drawn in this area. So it wasn't necessarily that people just jumped on this and and created, you know, the politicization of of this movement. It, unfortunately, the racial movement already has those politics associated to it and so all they did was just add what was already there mm -hmm. yeah if you guys even think about you know right now you have there's a lot of republicans out there that say oh well you know the black people are being fooled because they they rolled democrat but back in the day the, the democrats are the ones that wanted to keep you all in chains and enslaved and so like you said it immediately becomes almost like an, ar an argument just for argument's sake yeah, a lot of it is uh, that that looking in the mirror. We've uh, I don't know if we've ever been a culture necessarily that's very compassionate to our neighbor, um, but I think that we as a people reflect our society. And I'm not saying that American society is bad society, but there certainly is a strong element of survival of the fittest, and and we're seeing that in in a lot of the way people are reacting to situations. There's a there's a a gross lack of uh, compassion uh, for, 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 for our neighbor. It's, it's every man for himself, me, me, me. You know, I'll bring this up with the All Lives Matter movement, folks. I said, would you go to a funeral uh, for a child and in the middle of the, uh, what, what is it called? The Not doxology. Now I'm eulogy. The eulogy. There you go. In the middle of the eulogy, w would you stand up and say All Lives Matter? No. No, right now we are we are we are dealing with a specific issue. Why is it to the point that you have to feel this emotional need to express yourself in that way? Uh, and it's because there is uh, some sort of unhappiness within them. There is a selfishness that that is not allowing them to see the struggle somebody else is going through because they have their own struggles and they just don't want to hear it. Yeah, one of the biggest issues I've heard with the all lives matter or actually just white privilege um is that people think well if my life is hard and i'm white i don't have white privilege and that's not what white privilege is white privilege is being able to go to the store for a loaf of bread like you said in our last podcast rich and not have to worry about you know, anyone walking around and following us around the store or the police on the way to and from. I mean, there's a amount of weaponization that has been placed on black skin that is super unfortunate and it's not political. 
Yeah, one of just... my one of my mentors actually put white privilege in the best way I've ever heard it. And and he explained white privilege as saying that his life has been hard. His life has had its shares of ups and downs, troubles, whatever the case is. But at no point in time did he ever have to stop and think about his skin color being an opposition or a roadblock that created any of those struggles. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, also, too, the, the word white privilege, what it does to a lot of people is they feel like you're trying to undermine their success. So you take, you know what I mean? They're like, you're successful because of this. And then it becomes an internal struggle where they, they feel like they're being attacked. And right. I mean, technically, it shouldn't be called white privilege. It should be called white slight advantage in all situations. But like, that's not very catchy. You know what I mean? And if, so that, that and that's the thing, too, is. Um, it's a thing where sometimes for some people they're, they're getting, it's basically you're, you're also, a lot of people get scared when they hear these, ta um, these, these tactics, they get scared and they withdraw. And, and that's something where I try and tell people that some of the tactics, they might be true, but you have to use tactics that actually work. Um, so, so, and, 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 and some of the language is, is kind of inflammatory. And then also too, um, you put it with a lot of young people who just, quite frankly, don't give a fuck. And you know what I mean? So, because the, the next generation is going to solve a lot of this because I, the next generation is obviously, they're more, the most interracially mingled group of all time. So as people every day, more, more non-racist are born and more racist die. So, you know what I mean? So they won't, but... That doesn't solve today's problems, you know what I mean? But that I, I really feel like that's one of the reasons why it's it's a long road to head. It's not going to just go away and and and, and overnight. And it, it can only be slow. It's the only way it will will work. I mean, to that point though, is you know, what are you pointing at? Oh, just louder. Okay, louder. Sorry, <laughs> you're pointing at my mic. I'm sorry. So to that point, um, you know. Is that why maybe we're seeing as much as we're seeing now, as much revolt? Or is it the media coverage? What is it, right? Because we've had 24-7 news coverage since, what, the early 90s, right? So what is it now that's causing all of these issues to come to light now? Well, I have a lot of theories on that because I've thought about it a lot. So I, I basically have three main points. One, that's the media. Um, um, race relationships is it gets the people going. It, it's controversial. And because of that, you know what I mean? They're all over it. You know what I mean? Because it, it creates a division and they love that division because the news it has, because it's a capitalistic system, they care about ratings more than they care about the truth. So, and, and they, and, they, and this division gets really good ratings. You know what I mean? There's a reason why if, um, you know, if a white person kills a black cop, nobody wants to report it. But to me, it's just as tragic, but it doesn't sell newspapers. That's an outdated term, but we all get what it means. And then uh, another reason why it's bad is because of the politics of it. So one of the things I've tried to explain that I know that happens and I have proof that happens is when they have these riots, um, basically these riots have, um, the more riots that happen, the, the more likely Trump's going to get elected because what it is, is they're scaring people in the middle of going right. 
And so what the right does, and a lot of people don't realize this, is they actually make these – they have like infiltrate these groups because it's not hard to do. And they actually make it more violent on purpose because they know Black Lives Matter is going to get blamed for that. And then the Republican Party is like – they scare you from the left. And you're like, oh, we're here waiting with you in open arms. So – and and now both – I'm in the middle. I can tell you things I hate about the Democratic Party, too. But that's a technique that people can't see through that that's happening because, you know what I mean, because they just see it. What's the immediate solution? You know, more. What, 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 who wants more security now? Who wants this to end right away? Yeah, I, I'm definitely on board with you on that. I mean, I definitely know there is infiltration going on for sure. And this this happened I'm not going to go into it in in depth, but this happened in the original election, right? There was the what they quote the meme wars of uh, you know of Trump and and whatnot. But either way, my question is this: is that does that play into the white bubble, right? This does this. Um, Here's the thing. Yeah, I mean, does that play into it? It the actually white, inflated it. Yeah. Like, it forces yeah. them back to the bubble where it's safe. Let's the white just, bubble uh, is thick. When you're born in the white bubble, it's it's safe. It's super thick. It doesn't matter how hard or easy your life was. You don't have to worry about your skin tone. You just have to worry about the decisions you make. And you make good choices, bad choices. You have the consequences of them. But you don't have any outside conflict. And I feel like, especially with the politics that are going on right now, it is just inflating it. I feel mm-hmm. like it's polarizing people to be further left or further right especially further right yeah and i think elaine had something to say about that too yeah well even further left so let's just be honest about this here george floyd's murder was absolutely horrific was this the first time a black man was murdered no no of course not but was it the first one that we know about right have there been in, in the united states that was caught on camera why is it that this one received so much coverage exactly where i'm going yep it was it was the perfect angle it was i mean there were so many horrific things about this but this was and just as fox will move one way msnbc cnn they use that as well now does that mean that what happened was okay or obviously not but does that mean that people are being manipulated into believing that america is more racist than it actually is or no that's the difference is that Mm -hmm. even though the left used right the, the 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 liberal media used George Floyd for their own ratings. The fact of the matter is that it was addressing a real need in this country, which is social justice, addressing police brutality, and dealing with the matter of race relations in America, which is something that has not been dealt with. People are very, I, I like to say, uh, there's a polite racism in America that people don't realize. Is, is really there but this brought things to the forefront and, and and the fact of the matter is is that even though you know this was used by the liberal media to for ratings it brought about important conversations however and this is what's really sinister 
about uh, what what's happening from our highest office, our, our highest seat in our country, uh, the the message coming from there, the message coming from Fox News. They have uh, psychiatrists, they have uh, psychological teams that profile and evaluate who their viewers are and their specific targeted viewers and how to reach them the fastest and keep them connected. And, and they use what we call opinion-based news reporting. They're not actually reporting facts. They report fear-mongering. They report whatever keeps people's attention so that they keep on watching. They keep on uh, you know, getting held to their seat, you know, whatever it takes to keep people watching. And, and so they're not actually talking about what's going on. They're not showing the truth about it. They're trying to find whatever it is. If there's somebody throwing a window into a glass bottle into a window, if that's all they got, they're 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 going to repeat that over and over, and they're going to push uh, the race the race card. Maybe not even because Fox is racist. Fox is racist because of what they use for their ratings. But are they actually racist? I don't think they give a crap about race. I think they yeah, care about ratings crazy. and money. Yeah, I, I have a theory on that. Like it's one of the things. That- the only way to hold the news accountable is we're, right now we're rewarding negative behavior. So we're at the point in the age where we can keep track of people. If, if news stations, people, a viewer watches a news station and commits a crime, maybe that news station needs to be fined for the way they affect the human culture. Uh, I disagree. I, I'm sorry, guys. Hey, I'm Sean Alexis. I was supposed to be on here earlier. Uh, I'm one of the admins and, and a host of the round table. Way nice to go, to Sean. Way to go coming in late, buddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Terrible. But I'm happy to be here and happy to see Melody and Rich again and, and uh, meet these uh, new people. But I heard something about Fox News not being racist. And that that's like saying chocolate isn't brown. You know what I mean? Like, unless, oh, you know, it's, too, though. you know, I mean, there's when did chocolate. you come into the conversation? I think maybe you missed the whole thing. You might have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, um, but I, I get I get a little bit of what you're saying, though. I, I find it interesting uh, that you think that Fox News isn't racist. I, uh, would you like to elaborate a little bit? Sure. First, I'm going to ask anybody in this group. Did I say Fox News wasn't racist? Or was um, so racist. what I heard was what I heard was that maybe they're not racist, maybe they are, but it sounds like they're more just about their ratings more than anything, and that so, all news media essentially is going to pander to what they think will increase ratings. Absolutely. So so yeah. So so just to reiterate that, I actually said Fox News is racist because of what they push. However, they may not inherently be racist because they're not focused on being racist. They're just focused on ratings. And they're yeah, using and, and they race know they're, they're, they and know racism their main to right? gain money. They know uh, they know who's watching. I mean, I think that in order to to be racist, you you have to have an interest in that. So, I mean, on some level, like the people that they're hiring, or at least the hosts that are there, um, have uh, a bias at the very least to be racist. You know what I mean? So. And if you're hiring a bunch of people that have a bias to being racist, then, I mean, it is what it is. You can't say, hey, look, you know, they're unintentionally uh, racist. You know, I mean, that's pretty intentional if all you're hiring is people that are biased towards being racist. Yeah. Where did you or learn that well, everybody well, one being second, I just want to interject here, guys. Just, just for one uh, second. Not everybody, but the primary people. I mean, I'm saying. Yeah, because there's, there, there, there's there a majority of people within the telecommunications uh, market they go from fox to cnn to msnbc it's kind of a revolving door among those those uh, networks 
I know I, that Tucker Carlson's writer was found wow. to be a flat-out racist. That's what I was going to jump in and say, because I think I even posted something about him. Like, he wasn't okay just being, like, racist during the day. He, extra, he had to go do some extracurricular racism outside and was writing for that blog anonymously or something and got found out. But, yeah, he's definitely racist. Yeah. So one thing so, I want to think, But quick. I think this conversation highlights what actually is happening in the United States, which is you've got those who are blatantly racist, because that's just who they are. That's how they're grown up. That's what's embedded, embedded in them. And then you've got those who will play in the middle ground and kind of flow with, with whatever group they're floating in. So if the group they're floating in is, you know, to use a quote that we used earlier, which is politely racist, then that's what they do. They may not necessarily speak out against it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't, they are racist. They might just not say anything because that's going to rock the boat, right? That causes uncomfortable feelings and uncomfortable conversations that they may not be ready to have or they they just don't even want to have because now that's disrupting their everyday peace. So, so I think that's what happens in America now. So, so guys, can I, so ask they're this, not, can I ask this question so, real quick? I, I, go ahead. I, sorry, not to cut anyone off, but I think we need to get back on topic here real quick. Um, you know, we want to talk about the white bubble, right? And what we originally were talking about was maybe some of the media's role in that. And... You know, we had uh, Corey Jones down here in Palm Beach Gardens who basically was shot and killed by an, an off-duty Palm Beach Gardens officer in a minivan, right? Mm-hmm. And we also had, so that's one parallel. We also had um, Dontrell Stevens who, we, look, we just had somebody paralyzed, right? Dontrell Stevens was paralyzed back in 2013, Mm-hmm. nobody cared and i don't want to say nobody cared like i'm sure our local community cared but it didn't it, nobody was writing nobody was holding signs no one was for for any of this <clears throat> why is it now that it's happening why is it now that all of a sudden we're getting this look black brutality you know officers against blacks has has not been something new so why is it all of a sudden that we're getting to the breaking point and is this the potential to pop in the white bubble? So you know with because real like- bubbles, soap bubbles, they thin out. I do think that the white bubble uh, over time has thinned on a lot of people and when they saw George Floyd just being murdered in broad daylight, there was zero way you could argue against that. He well, was I also already- point out Dontrell had video of him getting paralyzed on film but i'm saying that the way that george floyd was murdered i, I just feel like it was merciless he was it. helpless it was and, merciless. They, and no one came to his help he, but he was but it's also yes that was the moment i get that he that was, was the moment also, every human being could relate yes sure. i mean he and was completely a in a relationship Think he about was being com- in a relationship, like an abusive relationship. You become numb until something ridiculous happens. Yes. I mean, black people have literally seen this stuff for years. I mean, years. And you almost become numb, like, oh, oh, that happened again? Okay. But again, to your point, now you see this guy being murdered in your in your, in your your front of your face, calling out for his mom, begging and pleading for his life, and no one stood up. No one spoke out. And so it becomes... Almost like you can't turn away. You so he's the martyr can't. that was needed. That I feel like I feel like think the different. I don't think that what really changed wasn't the murders or even George Floyd. 
I don't think that's necessarily that what made the difference. I think it's just a different generation of people, like of kids and young adults well, that are like we way more earlier, right? sensitive and in tune with their emotions. Because like, if you think about like my generation, for example, I'm 34 years old. When I grew up, I grew up watching like uh, Beavis and Butthead and Street Sharks and Double Dragons and things that weren't very like censored. You know what I mean? Like parents weren't very in tune with their kids' feelings. They were just like, hey, let me just make sure my kid doesn't die and I'm doing pretty good, you know? <laughs> and and we grew up in that kind of world. So we were already kind of a little rough around the edges. And then now you have this new generation that's coming up that's way more like, hey, you know, let's be in tune with um, – you know, if we're gay, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And hey, let's be sensitive to other people's feelings and stuff. And then this generation that that's the Twitter and TikTok generation now sees this guy get murdered on TV and they're hypersensitive to it. Now they're, of course, going to be extra outraged, whereas the older generation who is used to this like horrible stuff is just going to be like, whatever. You know, and I think that, that's a lot of what's going on. To what I was asking earlier, and that goes back to, um, Orion's original point, right, was is this something that's generational and that will I'm not going to say die out, but you know, we're some of it. We're getting to the I, point I think it to has where a better chance. We're getting because more because they care more. You know, mm-hmm. we care. I, but then there's but then there's also like my group where I'm a 40 year old single white woman, and what really struck home for me was. I saw what happened to Ahmaud Arbery, and that is where my best friend's husband's from. And mm-hmm. they're a biracial couple with multi-ethnic children. And Chris is also visually impaired. And if he went out running, he could actually he could accidentally run the wrong way and go into the wrong neighborhood or something. And it hit home for me because I'm like, that could be my friend's husband. That could be a person who's sure. important in my life. And, and it would be something, and I'm like, that's when it, like, it became way too close to home for me to know. I mean, I know that it could happen, but at that point in time, like, the reality was, oh. I think the common really denominator can't. here is exposure. We now have video of these heinous things happening, and we're seeing it. And in- 10, 20 years ago, we didn't see people being murdered in broad daylight by police. We heard. <laughs> that's a good point and I'll, I'll well, but here's, well here's the thing though i think and and i think but that's i think that's the bubble too right so you just kind of pointed out the bubble because i know for me growing up we saw it i mean we we heard about rodney king happening i remember mm-hmm. us waiting for the verdict and my mom and dad sitting in the living room and being appalled all the way over here in florida because we have family that live in south central california and just knowing that, oh my God, this is not going to be good if it doesn't come out right. I know my husband grew up in South Central Los Angeles and his house burned down during the riots mm. because of the outrage and the backlash. So from my from my worldview, we've always seen it. But again, we became numb. For me, it didn't become an issue until my sons started getting older. And now I have to think about, oh my God, they're about to go out into this world. And that was the wake up call for me. Well, oh, I think point. I think she's right. I think it's been around this is Sean, by the way. I think I think she's right, though, because it has been around for black people since Rodney King. And I think black people never stopped fighting or caring. I think what happened is, is like I said, it's a generational thing because now you have white kids that have parents that may not care as much or whatever or don't care at all. And these kids are sensitive to that. So now they're bringing it to the attention of their parents and whether their parents care or not, or the parents are racist, these kids, these younger white kids 
are out there protesting and saying, hey, man, I don't want my black friends getting killed or I don't want like people that look like my best friend, my college buddy or my football buddy being killed. And I don't care if my parents are, are racist and they don't like black people. I do. I, you know, I have friends that are like that. And I think that that is the difference right there. I think there's definitely something to be said about the generational difference because it's evolved from just being a black problem to more of like everybody else caring just a little bit more. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and Sean, just real quick, I'll, I'll say, I think there's going to be a huge change in the next 20 years. You know, I can tell you my daughter at four knew what black lives now or I'm sorry, black lives matter meant right she says it she said it, you know to melody she goes black lives matter you know um so you know is this something that's gonna die out i i don't know is this something that you know it's tough to call but is this bubble gonna pop in the next century that's a very personal thing yeah, every single white person has to pop their own bubble yeah and that's you know? why it's not going to happen anytime soon. So the the issue is people have to want to change. Yeah. And there are issues right now where women still aren't paid the same as men. Women, mm -hmm. if you hear the degrading comments towards uh, women politicians, they are not the same type of comments that you hear towards men uh, when they're when they're you know talking down about an opponent. You can hear uh, the misogyny in the conversation. Uh, and, and people won't even address that. And, and, and they've been trying to fight that for a while. Also, when it comes to violence against black Americans uh, by, by police, uh, by by citizens, this has been well before Rodney King in 1960s. Right. So you had uh, the Selma March. You had and, and even before then, they oh, actually yeah. intentionally tried to get uh, the Selma March on on film so that you could show the rest of the United States what was going on to black Americans down in the South. Rodney King, all that did was confirm what black Americans had been saying was happening to them for quite some time, but nobody was listening to it. And despite the video evidence, all four of them still got off. And I remember somebody saying after that during a live interview, you know what, all those things, all the burning, all the rioting, all that, all that would have never happened had they arrested four people. That's mm -hmm. all they had to do. But there was no accountability for that. And so, you know, black Americans have been dealing with this just as um, and Angelica. Was that who said it? You know, has Angelique, has Angelique. Angelique for, for quite some time. And, you know, it's it's you kind of just get a little numb to what's going on. And it's easier for people to look the other way. Unfortunately, you know, if you think back to when the 60s had their riots and now even today you know we're having to confront these harsh realities that still exist and the sad part is you still have the group in the middle who would rather live with their ignorant bliss than to confront the realities of what's happening because that means they would have to confront the realities of their world what shaped it and what could be or or what work would be required on their part to make this a world this world a better place Right. Yeah. Hey, Tom, what do you think? The status quo. I'd like to circle back to the video that you played. And I, th I oh, thought you're, you're what, a little late, buddy. Come on. Uh, no, I, I was thinking about it. And uh, what I liked about it was the fact that they introduced an, a different cultural perspective as to what was happening here. Eastern European. Yeah. And um, and I think that what we have to deal with is 
is just deeper than if we just pass laws or whatever. It's a tribalism that's almost built into human nature. And I, I re, I'm reminded of the, uh, the Rwandan genocide that happened in the 1980s, if I recall correctly, where literally 800,000 people died in like a four month period. And uh, it was Hutus and Tutsis at that point. And in the Baltics, uh, you had the Serbians and the Croats and everybody. They, these are people that live next to each other for generations. And then the, the, the tr whatever the trigger was, it caused people to kill each other for, 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 for no good reason other than probably religious differences. And uh, to me, if you have strong governing institutions, that's almost like the best shield you have of people going crazy. And uh, right now we have governing institutions that aren't working for us. We have, you know, if I could wave a wand, I would wave a wand and get rid of, uh, you know, police public employee unions. I think they're the ones that have done the most to keep bad cops on the job. And if we could deal with that in a meaningful way uh, and, and then and, and do a good purge of, of cops that shouldn't be cops any longer, a lot of this stuff would start to would start to write itself. But you, get, you have to have people in charge that are willing to to do this and um and i think that's that is really our our challenge because uh, you're not going to change it's not so much change uh, i'm not I, it's not so much changing you know how somebody feels about somebody else i don't care if somebody likes me or not in that sense but but you can't do me wrong and not escape some type of accountability and, and for way too long people have been allowed to do wrong things to people and escape accountability. And I'm thinking a lot of it is police, you know, of harassment and everything else. There's been no accountability there. And, and other than, and even for egregious stuff where they're killing people, there's, there isn't enough accountability. So I think that somehow we have to gain control of, uh, in the political realm and change the institutions that they start responding to what the real needs of, of, of people are. And yeah. the response from a lot of white Americans is, well, then just don't do crime. Well, you know, you know something. Let's just be right, but that's the white bubble, right? Just I think don't do crime. You know, just don't do illegal things. Mm -hmm. Actually, that was the next point I wanted to bring up. So I, I actually like to go on the internet and argue with people about the Breonna Taylor case. So and that was, <laughs> and that's their biggest defense. Well, don't do crime. So I gave the analogy. Well, they could have put a search warrant on her door and let her know. And they're like, yeah, but how are you going to arrest her? I go, is the goal to get arrest her or the goal to get them to stop selling drugs? You have to think outside the box. So if you say we're searching for you, announce that we're going to start tapping your phones, they'll stop selling drugs, and then you solve the problem. The problem doesn't have to be hauling people to jail. for It is a crime, but it's one of those things. At the, the people in the crime are participating in it. It should be treated at a, a more petty rate than, say, violent crime, like people who – like mug people or, you know what I mean? Or have violent or rape. Cause those are those, you're, you know what I mean? At least the drug dealers dealing with other people that are, you know, they're not twisting their arms. You know what I mean? There's a client base there for a reason. So, you know what I mean? The, I mean, the victim is that society, you know, our citizens aren't as value, but at least the people, they're not making other people participate in the system. And that line of thinking didn't make sense to them. It's like, no, you get rid of drugs by arresting drug dealers, like, no. You just change who the drug dealer is by arresting drug dealers. Yeah. Well, well, I, people don't understand when they say that, hey, just stop doing violence. That says to me right off the bat, because I'm well versed in this after talking to a lot of politicians. Um, it's not to stop doing violence because African-Americans in total men and women 
make up 13.5% of the United States population. So with that being said, they also make up the, the highest incarceration rate in American prisons. So how is it possible that you can only have 13% of the United States be one race, but then be the highest percentage in jail, as well as their 50% of those on death row are African-Americans, even though they're 13% of the U.S. population. Now, the and only that's way where the did- racial disparity is because you have tons of drug dealers and drug addicts incarcerated that are black and brown serving much longer sentences than rapists, pedophiles, murderers. I mean, exactly. It's so because of discrimination of, of the and, same and, crime and them yeah. being dis- it's like it's like 10 years to seven years for the same crime for a white tall black man. So like, and this is like thousands of cases. So the math is good on it. And also too, the number one thing that determines whether people commit crime is actually their economic levels more than their actual color. Once black people get rich, they stop committing crimes. Surprise, surprise. Well, it's also deeper than that because the laws that are written are actually written to discriminate against minorities because there's a law, a prime law, and a prime example of this law would be the crack versus crack cocaine. Uh, I mean, cocaine versus crack law. Now, if you if you have possession of crack, huh? I say that's a beautiful example because white people do cocaine, so the, the the consequences are less. Exactly. So it's double the amount of time if you do crack cocaine, but crack cocaine is cut with baking soda, no additional drugs, and they're getting given a higher sentence just because it's a rock versus a powder form, which is primarily consumed by Caucasians. So, you know, these laws are definitely created, um, you know, against minorities. And then there's discrimination in the courtroom. Of course, we all know that and stuff. And, and you know, black people can't get afford proper defenses. So they get the public defender and they get slammed with the book. So, I mean, the rest is history. And that's where, why we're at. It's, it, there is racism. It has not necessarily anything to do with the crime because... So- there's more white people, so more white people commit crimes. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's just less of them get convicted. So, well, it's not even, well, okay, so proportionally, when you look at the numbers of white Americans who do crimes and black Americans who are doing crimes, the proportion is off. You would, I mean, you're seeing that black Americans, based on their population, 13% in America, are being arrested more than the amount of white Americans. So the number may be higher of like, like you're saying, Sean, about more white Americans are being arrested than black Americans. But when, but when the American, the white population is over 60% of the country. So why is it that there's so many more in proportion to white Americans that black Americans are being incarcerated? It's obvious. The numbers discrimination, absolutely discrimination. discrimination. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, uh, people kind of don't think about with Corey Jones. We have brought that up before. Um, Corey Jones uh, happened here in Palm Beach Gardens, and uh, that was a horrible thing. Unlike most cases with police officers, Corey Jones actually received, the the police officer, Roger, whatever his name was, Mm -hmm. received 25 years in prison. Right. He He actually got convicted. Right. He actually got convicted. Now, I'm I'm, going to, I'm going to put some guys. What's his name? He wasn't white. He was not. He was brown. Oh, isn't that something? Do you get what I'm saying here? So <laughs> literally, Roger, the whole system of, of police brutality, the system of policing, that obviously has to be addressed. There's issues there. But they threw a book at that man because he was not white. 
They threw him under the bus immediately. He did something that was wrong, and what happened to him should have happened. Right, what I'm talking about is not Corey Jones, but the police officer. Yeah, he should be put in jail for in murder. any normal he situation. Lied. That's what should have happened. And he murdered somebody. Right. But, now, Mel, you, Mel, you were on. Were you still with your ex around the time of that one, or had y'all already separated? I believe I was still with him. And... So, do you remember within the Leo organization? Was there a whole lot of support for him, or was <laughs> I guarantee it really you there a was? <laughs> no. 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 Why? There was initial support that Corey Jones had a gun. This man was trying to help him, saw the gun, and was afraid. But very quickly after that, they realized that... Is that when the AAA tapes came out, or was it before that? After the AAA tapes. Two years later, I think. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, it was was before the AAA tapes. Um, I think that it has to do with the color of the officer because there was not vehement support like you see with some of these other officers like what was the white officer's name against michael brown do you remember so I can michael brown was up. choked out for selling for cigarettes am i right yes okay now the white I believe this is the right case I could be wrong but the white officer had like a gofundme or something and Police across the country and uh, in my Daryl Wilson, by the way, Daryl Wilson, that was the guy. So he had a GoFundMe page and it was all over the Leo wife page. Donate to Daryl Wilson, support him. This is, you know, this egregious thing against this police officer. He was just doing his job and he made millions off that retired. I mean, he had the good life. You didn't see that happen. It was. I just wanted to chime in. It was Eric Garner, but yeah, I'm you're, sorry. You're absolutely. No, yeah, you're fine. And, I just want to make sure we we and um, uh, Corey Jones corrected it. Uh, Officer Norman K. Raja. Raja. <laughs> Raja. Muslim. Muslim American. He was also. A, he taught at the academy. He was the firearm safety instructor. So. You know, I don't want to be here, be like, um, we're not here to just like bash on white people or white men or whatever, you know, to be objective and solution oriented. I think the real problem, like seriously, no, but um, to be the devil's advocate, I think we need to think of solutions, you know, and the solution to the problem, I think on some level is we need to have legislators that are focused on creating laws that have a regard for human life first and foremost these laws need to be designed around that regardless of the race of the person so if there's laws that are in place that are allowing officers or other individuals to either be convicted with excessive punishment or to get off on crimes for murdering people those laws need to be adjusted and if you know the legislators are not willing to make changes to those laws there needs to be an easier way to get these people out of office or to, at the very least, another way around adjusting the laws. I mean, we that's where the solution is, because if the laws aren't designed with a regard for human life, then we're never going to get to where we need to be as far as some sort of equality. Yeah. And as definitely. Jen Perlman would say, you have to also vote out the people taking money from corporations. Those are the two biggest issues. Mm hmm. So right now, you know, with with who we have in office, he's he's 
he's proven that the conversation will receive the exact opposite response that that we need to protect all Americans, not just a few. Um, let's say Biden gets elected, right? Let's just say another group gets elected. You know, for years, Democrats have been in office and haven't done what they needed to have done with this. It's also been difficult because they've had the fight against a House and a Senate, but there really hasn't been a huge push when you see that uh, from elected uh, Democratic officials in general. Uh, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that I believe the efforts that we have pushed and put out need to absolutely continue after the election for whoever it is and hold them accountable for the things that they promised. Marches see, on Washington and pushing with a Democrat president. You, 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 you're right. You need, we need, the thing is with Democrats, the problem with Democrats is we get a, a Democrat in the office, right? And then all of a sudden we go on a cruise control. Like every black person or person that's fighting for civil rights goes on cruise control. We've made it. We're at the promised land. And like these guys are doing nothing. I mean, they're every they're, four years, the conversation comes up, but it disappears in between. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We we need to say, hey, look, if we elect Joe Biden and Joe Biden's not march, marching to our tune, then we need to have this guy like Donald Trump, like his foot to the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm telling you, day two, guy. day two after he gets uh, inaugurated into office, there needs to be a, a, a march on Washington and show him how important this is. Remind him right away. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. there should be no free passes for Democrats. Absolutely. And the problem is, is that, you, you know, and I hate to bring up the elephant in the room, but black people as a whole have to be united because even on the issue of who to vote in right now, there's a clear division. I mean, there's black people out there right now. There's three sets of black people. Well, I should say four. Those who are going to vote for Trump, those who are going to vote for Biden, those who won't vote for Trump or Biden because they simply don't think that they're going to do anything. And then those who just won't vote, period, mm-hmm. because they don't think their, their vote yeah, counts. Yeah, I agree. And it just creates a never-ending cycle. So until you know we can get people on on one page on what the clear focus is, you know we might end up in this cycle again. Even if Biden does get in office, we might end up in this cycle again. Yeah, to, and to I can't clear. imagine. I can't believe how many Black people don't think. Well, actually, all people who don't think it's important to vote. Yeah. I'm one of them. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And I'll I'll come clean and admit. Um, I'm an I'm a official registered uh, no party. I've been disillusioned by the government and politics. I plan to vote. I plan to vote this time. <laughs> so don't, Orion. don't don't hold me up, you know. <laughs> don't, don't string me up or anything here. But uh, I plan to vote this time around. He has a pretty persuasive wife. Is the problem? Uh, but uh, you better vote, Rich. I'm gonna kick your ass. Man. I know. I, I I thought that was gonna get everyone. I think going. part of the part of the problem is that we put too much emphasis on on the president. When you've got you know a state legislature, you've got local you know, government. Uh, I'm local definitely 100%. more local government. And and sure. then you've also got an opposition party that can block what the president mm-hmm. wants to do, and that's what's happened for the you know for the most of the eight years of Obama, he had like an, an 18 month window where yeah. he had both houses of congress to go along and that's how we got the aca passed which is but true. aside from that you know the, the uh, off year election it was a huge republican landslide for, for in the they lost the senate and they lost the house and nothing happened which is true and you so know that, apathy is the so death that, of all of us right and that 
it, it is what Thanks, it is. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'll, I'll yeah. take the heat. I'll take the heat. Well, yes. I got you. I got Trump in, in office. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> My one you know, hey, man, we all we all make mistakes. Just I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but if it's the absolutely, one takeaway, at least that... you're able to understand that a change needs to happen. Yeah, there are yeah. some folks who are just like, I'm I'm going to keep digging, and I'm, I'm not moving from this hole. I'm just going to get yeah. into it. <laughs> Give me like, my shovel. Give me know, my shovel. Let's sorry. go. You know, the, yeah. the, you know, with understanding the the white bubble, because I've met a lot of folks who are like, "How do you learn more about this?" And you yeah. know, there there's some easy ways. Uh, you know, and I, I just want to suggest that to some people. Say you want to know more about what's going on. YouTube is your friend. I know that sounds silly. I don't believe in a YouTube education or a Facebook education, but it's a great way to get started, right? You know, watch, watch, uh, what is it, 13th. That's a great starting place. Dear White People, that's a great little series. I'll give you some ideas in there. We're doing a book study. Find a book study, you know, Stamp from the Beginning by Ibram Kendi. That's a great book to just learn some more about what happened to black Americans here in this country. Education, I believe, is the key for the future. If you really want to see the change we want to see here in America, it's not going to happen right now. It's going to happen with kindergarten students. It's yeah. going to start with educational reform and a change of the whitewashed history that our children are currently engaged in. you got to remember, education needs to reflect learning of all the students in the classroom. It has to represent them. It can't just represent learning of one race. Americans mm -hmm specifically white americans have been made superheroes in history black americans show up on slave ships they show up with martin luther king and that's it and that's all butter. you got peanut butter. right and, and and the fact that's is they're not even a supporting role <laughs> right all of history has been it's kind of changed and, and it's it's sad because we've been asking for these educational well, reforms and literally have received the opposite from the highest seat in office it's been called divisive no, that's not true. You know what? I wasn't alive when the Japanese were interned in, mm -hmm. in, in California. But yes. you know what? I'm an American. We did that. My people did that because I'm American. And you know what? That wasn't the right thing to do. And it's important. I don't, that we I don't, my people didn't do that. <laughs> I got you. That but you know what? I, I'm red, white, and blue. I'm an American, and I believe in this yeah. country, and, and, and I'm going to take ownership of the things that we've done and say what we did was right or wrong and not try to pretend like it didn't exist. And that's but, what this country has done. It's, it's eliminated true history. It's kind of created this G.I. Joe facade of What of, year did that happen, by the way? The, the internment, internment camp? When oh, was yeah. that? Wasn't that 43? Yes, it was. It, it was uh, It was back in the 40s. Yes, it was. Okay, yeah. so yeah, Jim, was Crow was the, Jim, Crow, Jim Crow was still going on. Uh, my Man, Jim Crow's still going on today. Y'all seen what DeSantis just put out? Jackson. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> the new Jim Crow laws of the South. <laughs> anyway, you know, so educational reform, we really have to push the support of our public schools and make sure that they're teaching a diverse curriculum. And also how we had the D.A.R.E. program, drug abuse resistance yep. education growing up in the 80s and in the 90s. Children today need a, an anti-racist uh, curriculum just integrated. And it doesn't paint white people as bad people. It just talks about healthy race relations. Healthy race relations goes not just one direction. It goes in every direction, white and black, black and white, brown and white. It doesn't matter. Every well, direction, respecting each other and teaching honest values and truth so that we could come together as a community. Because having, you know, this division, this racial war, you know, it's, that's a narcissistic technique that doesn't actually bring this country any kind of success. 
You know, it, you know, muddies the waters, and that's not good for this country. While other countries are getting their acts together, we're sitting here fighting each other over racism, one of the lowest in, in the world that for, for educational standards. We need to come together as a people and bring out what's best about us and stop breaking us down and creating this ignorance that, that's just preventing us from moving forward as a nation. When it comes to dealing with racism today, we need policies, like you guys are saying, people who are willing to make those policies happen because there, there needs to be, because there are people who don't want to change. And you know what? We have speed limits for a reason, and people need some speed limits on racism. Uh-oh. We need to get that handled and get it handled <laughs> well quick. Said. All well right? said. And then when it comes to police, listen, there needs to be some judicial reform. You guys want to talk about Republicans. Where are you at? Where did the Republican Party disappear to? What happened to the fiscal conservatives? You know how much money we're spending into the prison system for somebody who smoked weed? I mean, really? Y'all telling me that's the best way to spend our American tax dollars? How about giving that to corporations so that they can build their businesses up? And then on top of that, they're coming out of prison less equipped for the world, and they can't get a job because they have a felony on their record. And now what kind of citizen are we creating? We're creating a citizen that can't get a high-paying job. Yes. The, the the thing is, is what you're missing with all you're saying, which what you're saying is very correct. What you're missing is the fact that um, older white America, especially white males, unfortunately, um, don't want to give up that power of over feeling like they have power over black people. I mean, if you look at some of, um, you know, rich, older uh, generations, they may have owned cotton farms and and generationally they may have owned property and stuff and had slaves at some point from their you know past or whatever and and that that's a form of power you know and even though they can't have slaves now economically like running these businesses and having their their, the bottom level employees be primarily minorities is a form of control and they you know it's not that they can't like reform the laws or, or they're not able to they could do it if they wanted to sign it tomorrow the thing is is that the power structure in white America does is not ready to give that up yet. And, and for them to do that would mean they would have to care. And like I said before on the old show, one of the other episodes is um, that's an inconvenience to them. Why would they inconvenience their life when it, it's benefiting them? You know what I mean? It's like, they, they don't want to do that. And we have to figure out a way to get around that. And the only right. way to do that and really so is with laws. It, it goes well, right. So absolutely. And that's why uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I absolutely understand that there's a power structure uh, and that there's racists who want to keep their racism and keep their power. Um, and that's why we need laws, because people don't want to change some of that racism. And like um, what Thomas was saying, you know, it, it's local government. That's what some of the biggest change. If you want to see what affects your community on a daily basis, local government, and it, it, it's your city commissioners. That's huge. City commissioners and county commissioners. They make a huge impact in funding and where funds go and how it's allocated into the community. Here in Martin County, we found out that the, that the sheriff's department receives five million, uh, a minimum $5 million increase per year. Per year. $5 million. What if we took that $1 million, took $1 million of that and not just take it, like utilize it for something healthy in, in, in our low socioeconomic community? It would make a huge difference. We don't. And by the way, like we said earlier in the show, uh, using phrases that 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 tear people apart that are toxic. We don't believe in toxic phraseology. Defund the police is a toxic statement. People got to stop saying that. We say budget for success. You know, it's not necessarily about defunding the police. It's about putting money where it counts and making 
efforts and change that will help bring about what we want to see in this country. So we need to help education, number one, a curriculum, K through 12. Number two, policies, like you're saying, Sean. Three, Thomas, like you're saying, we got to do something about our local government because they're the ones who are going to decide where money goes. You know, it's really hard when it comes to the white bubble. For those of you who are willing, get into YouTube. Get into a book. Start learning about the history, an honest history of black Americans in this country and what you'll be able to see because you're a smart person. People are smart people. Once you educate yourself, you can't unsee it. Okay. Start learning about what happened. And from that process, you're going to start seeing a change in yourself. It's not, it's not an immediate flip. You know, it's a slow change. Like you said earlier, Melody, the, the white bubble gets deflated a little bit because one of the hardest things is it doesn't sound or feel like white privilege when it's normal to you. You know, so you know, if you, you know, an easier solution, like for those that are like lazy, if you, if you want to get out of your white bubble, one of the easiest solutions is to get a Jamaican friend. Other than say, get, 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 get a, date somebody <laughs> of the opposite race. Get a Jamaican friend because I guarantee Have you. Have a mixed baby. I can't yeah, believe a, that Sean's advice is get a Jamaican <laughs> friend oh, and goodness. not date someone of the opposite sex because well, when you, i first met you sean it was date outside your race not not date somebody of the opposite sex that, that, i mean that, no 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 i'm sorry race what's this being wait you're telling me to date a no, guy no, no. <laughs> i'm not saying there's any, the not that there's anything wrong with that but i'm just saying like, i, I think she i think she meant race but yeah yeah, no, date outside your race. <laughs> that, that's my Melody, second We don't solution. judge here. It's okay if you like. I mean, listen, whatever you Doesn't want. Doesn't matter who you love. Free country. Yeah. But if you no, date outside your race. Yeah, get a Jamaican friend and then <laughs> date outside your race. I mean, between between the curry chicken there it and, is. Uh, you know, you're learning about uh, probably Space Jam and every other R&B album that you uh haven't heard yet you, you'll be very well cultured like one month into that relationship i love yeah. curry chicken and, and, and i love space jam where can i get myself in you know like there's a lot of folks out there they're not going to see it and so just remember it's not your job to convince them all you can do mm -hmm. is plant seeds and, yeah. and and speak truth about what's going on you know in other countries in, in honduras when i used to go do some missions work out there some of the houses we would come across and some of the most poorest communities we're in real bad shape. They had really nice houses over there, too, by the way. Honduras is a beautiful country. But there's some poverty over there that, that's it's, it's mind-blowing. They're, they're yeah. living in shacks with, yeah. with dirt floors. And that was a normal standard for the houses mm -hmm. in some of that community. And, and, you know, for us, you know, it's, no, you're concrete, tile, carpet, something like that. Puerto right? Rico, one of our and, and uh, over territories, there. So right? If, if you're thing. living with something on a daily basis, you know, you might not understand what white privilege looks like if that's all you've ever known and it's hard to step out of that COVID-19 gave people an opportunity to see how black Americans live for the first time you saw lines food food lines people mm -hmm. who were out of work for a while had to go and get food and help and support stuff that they've never had to do before but the black community has been doing that for years mm -hmm. you know the health and wealth gaps in, in, in America for black Americans is quite disparate compared to white Americans and COVID-19 that wasn't a racist uh, virus you know it, it, it killed everybody happened to kill Hispanics at a, at a rate four times higher than white Americans and 
black Americans five times higher, but that's not because the virus targeted them. It was because they work in jobs that they couldn't afford to take off. And so they were in areas where they were exposed more, being nurses and uh, essential positions that we needed in our country to help keep us afloat. It's so crazy that they it's so crazy that during COVID-19, they call these positions essential jobs, but they pay them like they're not essential. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, where's the essential pay for these teachers, by the way? They're 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 now considered essential workers. Teachers are all of a sudden to the Republican Party, the cornerstone of America. (laughs) Where where was that funding when you when you put in the uh, what's that lady from Harry Potter? over the ministry of education rowling yeah well no now it's betsy devos but uh who was the lady in pink in harry potter oh oh, (laughs) who was put in yeah this lady was literally put betsy devos was put in the position to defund education in america oh my lord anyway yeah i mean uh the the reason that that republicans say that education is the essential now is because they had to stay home with their kids for like three months yeah, we all got tired of them. We all got tired of them. It's essential. Yes, we need to send them back. Every parent everywhere. No, every parent like, everywhere was like, why did I have kids? Yeah, they this were like, awful. it's essential because I don't I want to blow my brains out now that these kids won't stop. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what y'all so, talking about with this distance learning and all that stuff. No kids over here. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> count your blessings. Teachers are right now getting the short end of the stick, and, and you know, they're getting screamed at just like the nurses were. We yeah. sent nurses with coffee filters on. The the lack of preparation was so unacceptable. And now with teachers, they're they're in such a, such a tough spot. And, and nobody wants to talk about the essential workers like janitors and maids that were in hospitals and the cleaning crews, people who take the worst risk, really, because they're around the biohazard crap that's in the hospitals and they're paid the worst they're not even paid as well as nurses yeah i would have quit that day as soon as 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 they they announced that i would have been like uh yeah i'm done i wouldn't even come in i would have just called in and been like hey this is the end yeah (laughs) i I, I wonder how many people did that and and we're stuck at home trying to figure out how to survive on a pack of ramen noodles yeah yeah i mean like it's ramen noodles or or the death disease from uh wuhan china you know right there you go (laughs) but but the truth of it is guys it's money money makes everything go around even when you think about you know how COVID would happened or handled how black people are treated in america it's all based on money black people can't get ahead because we somehow stopped the white man from being able to make money off our backs um even down to the prison system there's literally corporations of prisons making money off black people and the amount of amount of um, prisoners that are shuffled in then you go to the hospitals and covid you know you've got people dying at ridiculous rates for no reason at all and then to come and find out that the hospitals are making a dime off of it because they get money from the government based on how many people pass and on their death certificate it's marked covid Mm -hmm. that's right money We've been trying to target. Well, we, we've been looking at the, our low socioeconomic communities in Martin County and trying to figure out who benefits from keeping this group of people in this position. I know that sounds crazy, but it's absolutely true. There is money being made off the backs of poor Americans, and that's how these billionaires have what they have. What's this? What's this guy, Jared Kushner? He makes his money off of slumlord being a slumlord. Across all across New York, all across New Jersey, with homes that are falling apart, 
you know, people who are being charged double rent, it's unfair. And and this and is taking how advantage of and taking advantage of people who are lo- likely going to be low educated and not have the voice or the means to speak up for themselves. So or the money charges them or well, the money. So charges them a fee for being late. Charges them a fee for being late again on that late fee. Charges them another fee for being late on that late fee for that late fee, and then every th- month throws on and then throws another legal fee and charges them a fee for even having to draw up the legal papers to tell them about all the fees that they were late on. Right, well, and leave, then they I'm have gonna, the nerve to say we should work harder. I'm, I'm going to leave you guys with this um, because I, if I don't, then I'm going to be single again. <laughs> but um, wait, hang on. Uh, so that the problem with the whole apartment thing, what you're talking about, um, the black people, they, they don't have any generational wealth because property is where the wealth is at. And white people had the advantage back in the 40s, 30s, Jim Crow times to buy property first in certain areas and stuff like that. And um, without the ability to buy property back in the 40s and 50s, uh, white America had a, a huge jump start on um, generational wealth. And then now you have current times where apartment complexes, like you're saying, and townhouses that are rented by primarily minorities and stuff have jacked up rates and they keep them basically stuck in those apartments. And they can never amount enough money to buy or invest into properties because they'll never come up with 20% down to put on a conventional loan or even like 6% down, you know? Well, let's get even, Oh, sorry. Yeah. But even, even further into that, the people who are living in these low socioeconomic communities don't have equity. So with housing, you can have equity. And, and, and when you're redlined into these areas where they drew out, you know, you cannot property value, right? What's the number one rule of, of real estate? Location, location, location. And the property value in low socioeconomic communities does not go up. But who came through and started buying out all these properties when people couldn't afford it because they had no equity? Right? If these companies from Jared Kushner, you know, and other 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 uh, predators who are coming in, creating these slums and charging these people exorbitant rents that's, you know, keeping them exactly where they are exactly well that was, it was a pleasure talking to all you guys thomas thank you for uh being on here it was nice to meet all you guys alan melody and of course you angelique and uh i'll see you guys next time thanks sean thank take care thanks i'm gonna be signing off too thanks take care bye-bye bye-bye guys it's, it's been a very hearty conversation and i i just i love all the voices and hearing just the different viewpoints. So I, I really appreciate you guys for just the wealth of knowledge that we shared tonight. You awesome. too as Thank well. You. Yep. I'm oh. going to shuffle off to bed. It's that time for me, but <laughs> it's yeah, it's been great having you guys. Part of it. I didn't get to rag on Orion as much about not voting, but I can do that privately. There you go. Yeah. We got to get him to vote. Yes. I'm going to leave you out with this one last thing. Um, just, uh, Remember when when you're talking to somebody who doesn't understand, um, for sometimes sometimes it's not fair to expect them to understand right away when they've lived this life where they have just no way of understanding. Some some of these folks are hardworking people. Some of my friends in construction, hardworking people, they've never been given a dime in their life. They've had to work hard, and they don't understand what it is to live through that life because. To, to live through the life as a black man, to live that life as a brown man and have that racism uh, affect their success uh, due to that. And so 
as hard as it is, you know, black people already understand they've been dealing with it for a long time. But as some of these allies who have now come on board and helped, I know you want to cuss them out. They should be cussed out for not understanding. But just just be a little bit more understanding and loving to them and, and, and plant some seeds. Just plant seeds and direct them into the right places. It's not your job to convince them. Um, but but definitely speak truth because um, mm-hmm. they just they just don't understand. That's true. Elaine, I That's can't even really tell true. you. That's uh, perfect. Yeah, I can't even tell you how true that is. And on that note, I am out. Thanks, Hope. Right, Elaine, it's always a pleasure. Angel, thank you so much. Yes, thanks, guys. Really, thank you so much. Have a great night. Bye, Rich. Bye, Elaine. Bye, Black Take Lives care, Matter. Black Lives Matter. Mm, it was it was interesting to hear. Yeah, we kind of meandered around a lot, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope somebody gets something out of this. You know, it's like Elaine said, you have to be easy on people who don't really understand because their white bubble hasn't burst yet. But um, because I know I was there, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, just speak truth to them and eventually it'll pop in its own time. And like everybody said, there's lots of suggestions. You can date outside your race. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> get a Jamaican friends. <laughs> um, I think more appropriately, right? We can uh, peruse YouTube. Yeah, you know, watch Thirteenth. Yeah, that was a good thing that was thrown out. I think also, you know, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of communities. You can always go on blnow.org and check us out. We're a community of asking questions and learning. So. You know, there's no fear or judgment there. Um, I I hope that, you know, we can help some people. Sure. And, you know, maybe we'll revisit this topic again here in the near future. Um, yeah. You know, this was the problem is, is that this is one topic that's hard to nail down. Yeah, and, it's true. You know, once you start talking about one thing, it meanders into another and to another and to another. Right. Be- because it, it it's a big problem. Yeah. Right? So it's hard to just say, you know, <laughs> here's the white bubble, here's how we fix it, and here's what yeah. we do going forward, right? Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to do that. So, you know, um, yeah. maybe we'll revisit again. Maybe this is something that we can do on a somewhat ongoing, you know, fashion. But, um, but it was good. Yeah, it was good. And we definitely appreciate anyone who uh, listened to this. Um, this is a special edition of our podcast. This is episode three. Uh, we're going to come back, um, to the next one here on a probably more lighthearted note. (laughs) (laughs) Some more news stories. Yeah. Um, and thank you to everyone who joined us tonight. Yeah. It was a pleasure having you. Many thanks to everyone. Everyone is always welcome. Um, if you want to be featured on the podcast, you know, send us a note on Facebook let us know if you want to speak your thoughts or speak your minds, and we'll include John here and see where it goes. Yep. All right, guys. Well, as always, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a great night. Peace. Peace.